everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to Freedom Speak. I'm your host, Becca Marie, and you're listening to Conservative Talk, ABQ, KDAZ, 96.9 FM, AM 700, and you can listen from anywhere at conservativetalkabq.com. So I want to talk a little bit about this whole, you know, we've been talking about how they want to keep us all scared. They want to keep up the fear. It's, it's you know, it's COVID fear. It's monkeypox fear. And now it's climate fear. <laughs> and I want to talk a little bit about that. And I want to talk about the, the, the whole green energy push that they're trying to really, really rush through prematurely because it's going to really, it's going to put us in a serious predicament here because uh, we're not ready for it. And I'm going to explain to you why. I'm going to explain to you the, how green energy is not as green as they're making you think it is. So I want to start off with a clip about how they're basically pushing this propaganda. Project Veritas uh, caught a CNN director on, on camera, and I, it's amazing how they keep catching these people. These people are so stupid. They love to run the their mouths and talk about themselves. They're, they're so proud of what they're doing. So Michelle, can you run clip nine for me? His story comes up, they're going to latch onto it. They've already announced in her office that once the public is will be open to it, we're going to start focusing mainly on climate, um, uh, climate like global warming, and like that's going to be our next like. Um, I don't know, like, what's the word? It's going to be our focus. Like, uh, like our, our focus was to get Trump out of office, right? Without saying it, that's what it was, right? So our next thing is going to be for climate change awareness. What does that look like? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I have a feeling it's just going to be, like, constantly showing videos of, like, decline and ice and weather warming up and like the effects it's having on the economy and, and really talking about the head of the network like just who's that is that zucker zucker yeah i imagine that he's got his council and they've all like discussed like where they think um so that's like the next pandemic like story like that will yeah that will will be to death but that one's got longevity you know what i mean it's not like there's a definitive ending to the pandemic or you know like it'll taper off to a point that it's you know not a problem anymore probably think it's going to take years so they'll probably be able to milk that for quite a bit you know so okay so that's, you've probably heard enough of that, okay? <laughs> so this is this guy that Project Veritas caught on, on hidden camera is a CNN tech director, okay? This is an example of how they're pushing propaganda on you. It's like they, they've exhausted the whole uh, Rona thing. 
about as far as they can go. They've, they've indoctrinated and they've brainwashed as many people as they can. And like I mentioned earlier, they've, they've permanently damaged some people. Some people in this world are permanently damaged. They're permanently now mentally dysfunctional. And they're, they're just, they've, they've drank so much Kool-Aid that they no longer have a grasp on reality. And so they gotta, they gotta figure out a way. They gotta keep the fear up. They gotta keep the momentum going. You know, they've got to they've got to keep people scared, and so they're going to push the climate thing. They're going to push the climate thing. Now, here's an interesting thing. I did a little research on this. It's like I was wondering. Okay, they're they're talking about oh well, it's the it's the hottest day on record. It's it's the the average the average temperature this year is higher than any any that in that we have recorded. When did they start recording that information? Does anybody ask that question? When uh, they start recording that? Uh, I looked it up, and it's apparently it started roughly in the year 1880. Yeah, yeah, 1880. Uh, in fact, uh, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, uh, they I believe started in 1905, and. The temperature in that basin, in the Los Angeles basin, has increased by six degrees since 1905. Uh, and that is simply due to the heat island effect mm -hmm. of, of we've, we've evolved out of our, our climate. We've, out of our, uh, out of our uh, environment. environment uh, to the point, I mean, we, Without structured dwellings to live in, without clothing, there is a very narrow range of temperature that our bodies can stand. And we terraform everywhere we go. Oh, yeah. You, you look at eastern Washington. Once was a complete desert. Now it is hops, barleys, apples, pears, all of this irrigation. They built a whole network of arteries for for turning a desert into an oasis. Well, here's a good example, Las Vegas, Nevada. Exactly. Okay, an area which you wouldn't want to live there. <laughs> uh, I mean, years ago, before the first hotel was built there, what was the guy's name that uh, that built the uh, oh. uh, uh, something B, started with a B, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, but anyway, he was a gangster. It wasn't Bugsy Siegel. Bugsy Siegel. Bugsy there Siegel. we go, that's the guy. Yeah, good call. And, and so, the first guy that built a hotel out, I mean, we're talking about, oh, yeah, we're going to build a hotel out in the middle of the desert where nobody wants to live. And now, years later, we have a whole city there in which you have, you're right, we terraformed that area into, into a place in which people now have an indoor environment to live. We've, you know, we've done the equivalent of putting a dome over the, over the desert. Right. For the, for the most part. Right. Right. Um, and and that's, the, that's the point. I mean... How can you not expect the climate to adjust when we're changing temperature patterns, cloud patterns? There was a, there was a, there was a study just released on windmills, the, the wind turbines, yeah. actually perpetuating drought because it's at a significant layer where it interrupts the ability for cloud formation. Hmm. And so it can actually perpetuate. Uh, Los Angeles, as I mentioned, they've increased six degrees. 
to the point that they realize on the heat island effect that they are they went through i believe it started in 2018 they started painting the roads gray in order to reduce the heat signature coming off it now that's to the tune of forty thousand dollars a mile yeah, and, and the interesting thing that people don't think about, and I'm going to talk about this too, is when you cover the ground with stuff that wasn't there before, buildings, roads, mm -hmm. things like that, rather than, say, you know, sand or native plant life or trees or whatever that is there, you change the way the earth absorbs the heat in which the sun is providing. Okay, mm -hmm. Normally, you know, you have a... You have a natural effect in which it, it rains, mm -hmm. and then the moisture soaks into the ground, and then it heats up, and then it evaporates. Evaporate. I learned this during training to be a pilot. Evaporation mm -hmm. and sublimation. Right. Okay. That's what happens. And so, but you interrupt that natural process when you change and you cover the ground with things other than just the ground as it was previously. Right, um, and and it's it also goes to the solar panels. Yeah, you know, and and I I have I have asked our the New Mexico number one solar panel salesman, Martin Heinrich, to debate me. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's a simple fact. You the you're taking an object that is. Uh, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, say 30% efficient. I'm not anti-renewable energy. I'm anti-inefficiency. Right, because they're only processing a, a certain narrow spectrum of the sunlight that is, that is hitting. Correct. 30% of, uh, in other words, out of the 100% of light, the sunlight hitting a solar panel, 30% of that is converted into energy. The rest is returned to the atmosphere as heat. Trying to explain this to people is, it, it's mind-boggling. I go, you have a black car. Here, here's, here's, a, here's a, a thermometer that you can measure the heat coming off it. A, now, black, a black car, it's gonna be hotter inside the car than it, if you have a white car. Exactly. And that's like, you might have noticed that uh, over the past years, you notice that the school buses, the tops of them are painted white now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you don't understand why they did that, the reason they do that is because that way it reflects stuff off instead of soaking it up. And it, it actually helps keep the inside of the bus cooler. Correct. Yeah. And, and the, the other thing that I have been talking about, and this has been known for years, even a sealed solar panel leaches chemicals into the ground. Cadmium on an enclosed, it will bleed off. And that's what I've been pushing out in Moriarty. Uh, I'm, I'm on the Planning and Zoning Commission there. Uh, and well, I'll mention it now, uh, I am actually running for county commissioner uh, in District 1 of Torrance County. Because there, there are safeguards that aren't being put in place. Uh, anytime you put in one of these solar panels, there should be soil samples taken. Mm -hmm. Because ooh, you get cadmium in your water supply, you're okay. going to have a heck of a hard, you know, that is going to affect the lives 
of literally thousands of people. Steve, are all solar panels the same then, basically? No. Okay, I just want, when you said 30%, you're talking well, about the best ones that are right. out there. Right. China right now, uh, and they, they're claiming approximately 17% efficiency, mm. and to the point where they're about 15%. 15% wow. efficiency, uh, and it's now that some of the Chinese solar panels are being blocked directly coming in, they're rerouting them through Central America, rebranding them they, the way they, just like televisions and everything else, they push them through Mexico, then they come up. So is one of the biggest things I want to know about this, because uh, out in Cedillo Hill, we've got um, some solar panels mm -hmm. that are going to be going in um, <clears throat> for the church there. And I, I want to know, is, is it mainly political then, as far as why people would do it, if they knew that it was only 15%, 17% uh, efficacy? Um, yeah, uh, when you start actually getting into the nuts and bolts of it, uh, you, you, you hear the money. free solar panels will come in and, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, they put a lien against your house. Oh. But what they don't tell you, if it's, a, if it's a roof mounted, you have to have a company come in and install it. The roofing company, if you need to re-roof, the roofing company can't take them down. You have to bring that company back in. They have to remove them. They put your new roof on. And then the company comes back and puts them back up. But it voids your warranty on your roof because they're punching through the roof in order okay. to, to right. put these on. Oh, yeah. Um, so at least it's better to have it. Um, we've got a thing where it's not on the roof. It's just right, right. cement blocks around. Right. See, when you get into... Um, solar panels when you're on a person personable level not giant solar fields uh providing power for a, a, a municipality or whatever but when you get down to personal then then you start looking into one you're going to have to have batteries you in order to be efficient um in order to be off the grid with solar right. panels you have to have batteries exactly yeah. um and just it's just like the solar field that's in between moriarty and edgewood there's no battery that and not a not a one bit of that energy goes to torrance county it goes to the facebook building oh. and facebook had that put in in order to get their credits on their energy uses there. The one out by Double Eagle? Right. Oh. So it's built in Torrance County. We don't receive a dime in revenue. We don't receive any benefits from it. Uh, and had I been on planning and zoning, I would have put up a pretty damn good fight. Uh, in Cedillo Hill, right around the corner, my friend's uh, house burned down because mm -hmm. the batteries were on the roof. Yeah. And now she's starting all over. Right. Um, the batteries were on the roof? Yeah. Well, well they, I don't know if they were on the roof. There is a... It went tr right yeah, through. Yeah, yeah there's a, 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 a d device which converts and sends, depending upon what the usage is, so it'll trickle feed to the batteries, but it also then divides. And they've been found to a lot of them to be defective and, and cause fires. See, now, here's the thing that a lot of people don't understand, okay, that I'm going to explain. 
they, they're, they're looking to replace all of these uh, nuclear plants and fossil fuel powered uh, plants, coal plants, things like that, with these so-called so renewable sources like wind and solar. Okay, there's a big difference in these two types of, uh, these two things that people need to understand, okay? The nice thing about, uh, say, coal-fired plants, gas plants, uh, nuclear plants, this is what you call on-demand power, okay? Mm -hmm. Power that's available all the time, no matter what. All you gotta do is just keep feeding fuel into it and it keeps going 24-7 every day of the year, constantly, right. okay? Doesn't matter, it's not, it's not weather dependent or anything like that. It's not dependent on whether the sun is shining, it's not dependent on whether the wind is blowing. The problem you've got is that those types of power plants, those can be ramped up or, or, or backed off depending on the energy demand in it, very, very quickly, okay? But with solar and wind, the only time you get energy output from those windmills is when the wind is blowing. Correct. The only time you get energy output from those solar panels is when the sun is on them. And depending on how much sunlight you've got, it's gonna depend on, that's gonna affect that efficiency you were talking about. It's gonna depend on, it's gonna have an effect on the amount of output that solar panel has. Now here's the biggest problem. And you're hearing about talk about rolling blackouts throughout the country. As this so-called green energy is implemented, you're talking about rolling block at blackouts because you know you're giving up a lot of on-demand power for this power that is dependent on whether the sun's shining or the weather the wind is blowing. And the truth of the matter is, is we have our, in order to make that work, you've got to be able to store all the energy that you're producing, all the excess energy you're producing when the sun is shining really, really good and when the wind is blowing really, really good. But we don't, we have a really limited way of storing that energy right now and it, it won't carry us over. Let's say for instance, we have uh, uh, in an area you have a long period of, in which you have a lot of cloud cover and, and you have an enormous dependency on this solar energy, but yet you have cloud cover for days and days and days. I, I know I grew up in Ohio and sometimes we'd have cloudy days that would last for a week or more. And it's like, you're not gonna be able to store that much energy to carry you over that period of time. And if you get rid of that on-demand energy, you're gonna have rolling blackouts. That's right. exactly what's gonna happen. So we may have technology to produce green energy, um, but it's sporadic, but we don't really have a, a, an infrastructure in place it, in which we can store excess energy, which we can use later. It, it, and that's the biggest problem. And on, it's, it's progress at any cost. Right, and it's like, I'm, I'm all for green energy. I, you know, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna poo poo green energy. I, I think it's a good thing, but the thing is, is we have to do it in a way in which we have a natural progression of things in which, okay, we can, this is feasible now and we can do this, but to try to, to ram it down our throats and push it and accelerate it by the year 2030 in which the technology flat out, there is technology that really needs to be invented at this point mm -hmm. in order to make it viable. There, there is a, um, 
they haven't started it yet, but the propose, the propose is to cover half of the Sahara Desert in solar panels. Right. Where's the environmental impact study on that before uh, well, they do it? They, they, there was two climatologists that actually used uh, the environmental models, and what they discovered is that large a field would actually raise local temperatures by two degrees, which would in turn raise the global temperature minutely. And yet the climate alarmists are, are saying that two degrees is, is life-ending. Well, the, yeah, and, and the thing is, is what they discovered, that the, that solar panel field would actually cause a greening of the, sol, uh, of the Sahara Desert. And the more foliage you have, you increase temperatures again. It's a mm. feedback loop. Mm -hmm. mm. Now, here in New Mexico, when we shut down that coal-fired power plant, they say it's a coal-fired power plant. No, it was a natural gas-assisted coal-fired power plant mm. and one of the cleanest in the nation. Mm-hmm. So you, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. And the truth of the matter is, I had a friend of mine that works in the energy industry that's been working in it for years that I was talking to the, about this not too long ago. And the, the coal-fired power plants, especially the new ones we can build now, are very, very clean because they've, they've got technology in them that scrubs the, what's coming out to where there's nothing toxic coming out of them. We have decreased our CO2 output here in the United States over the, over the last four decades. Uh, people say, well, America's number one in pollution. No, actually, we're not. We're third behind China and India. In 2020, China built 80 brand new coal-fired power plants and acquired worldwide as many, if not more. Yet China, under that the, the climate accord, wouldn't have to come into compliance until 2030. So you know, it, none of this makes any sense. The other thing is, is again, because of the contacts I made when I was at the Capitol, I've got pictures of solar panels going into our landfills. Mm. Well, you know, I did a lot of research on that, and here's the thing. People might say, oh, but we can recycle those. Okay, here's the problem, okay? The, the cost to recycle them is something that is uh, pretty high right now. And what happens is, is you, have, you have certain companies that it's like, wow, we just can't, that's not uh, economically feasible to do that because the cost is really, really high. So you end up with this uh, situation in which wow, it's way cheaper to just bury them in a landfill rather than use these uh, really, really new recycling techniques, which are not economically feasible. Oh, not even close. Uh, in fact, I was just looking for the picture that was sent. Uh, here it is. That is, an, that is one of our New Mexico landfills. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. And they're doing the same thing with wind, windmill blades uh, to a certain extent. Torrance County is actually the home of two of the three New Mexico wind, wind turbine graveyards. Mm -hmm. So, and, and they're saying, well, there's no water basin under this, you know, and it's lined and, and everything else. And I'm sorry, but water is one of the most corrosive uh, 
uh, elements that we well, have. Well, you know, I heard uh, some time back, I heard somebody mention that water is uh, the world's uh, best natural solvent. Yeah, exactly. It eventually, it eventually breaks down everything. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, so when, like I said, I'm not opposed, but the other aspect of this whole green energy push Green energy is rare earth minerals are necessary. There's a and, reason they and, call them rare earth. Yeah, and that's it's finite. They're they're not plentiful. No, in fact, the recent study showed that. Okay, China supplies ninety percent of the world's needs on rare earth minerals. And here, I thought I was just for your face. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, Gorilla I'm, glue. I'm learning. I'm learning here. Uh, and the study stated that there is 15 to 20 years left. They have supply enough for 15 to 20 years. So you're looking at space exploration, you got your green energy, you've got all of these other areas that our whole technology is based on a finite resource. So unless you, now I've heard Mars is being pushed back, the moon mining project is being pushed back, well, how long till you're out of the ability to be able to make the devices in order to get there to mine more minerals to perpetuate our technology? You know, actually, I think we, you know, you brought up a good point. I think that we should be uh, using those particular things for, for the things that are most critical for them. Right. We shouldn't just be using them up to make electric car batteries. Uh, exactly. And not only that, but the process to mine those rare earth minerals is not environmentally friendly. Uh, no. <laughs> the the carcinogens alone that are that I mean, when you bury these solar panels in in the ground, you're you're creating a cancer hotspot. How did the Egyptians ever survive? A different form of technology. I see. <laughs> it was the aliens. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, see, that, that, that subject there I have a hard time with because um, not everything is aliens. You know, uh, you can, it's a, that is, I look at that as an easy scapegoat way out of actually talking about our history. Because, in fact, it was just just released. The Sahara Desert didn't turn into the Sahara Desert. It, in fact, it, it was a, a lush tropical paradise. There are maps that are fi only 500, mile, 500 years old that show rivers in the Sahara. The largest lake in the world was in the middle of the Sahara Desert. You could take all of our great lakes and put it in it and still have room for a few more lakes. Wow. Uh, and so the Sahara Desert, over 4,500 to 5,000 years turned into the Sahara Desert. So was man responsible for that too? You know, there was a significant event that created that to happen. Mm-hmm. And so all of these scientists stating that, that we can, can control our weather is absolute BS. Oh, Nature will do what it's going to do whether we like it or not. Well, right. And the thing is, is it, here's the thing that gets me on this whole climate change thing. You know, like I said, we, we started 
actually having uh, pretty good records as far as weather and things like mm -hmm. that starting at around 1880 okay right. so we have a really really small sample of weather patterns to look at in order to and and you think about you think about how long that the earth has been around mm -hmm. billions of years from what we understand. Four and a, four and a half billion years old. Billions of years. <laughs> or less than 10,000. Just pulling up my end of the bar. Uh, hey. And yet we're taking a sample that is, uh, what, 1880? That's, uh, what, uh, 140 years? Yeah. Roughly? 140 years of weather records and determining uh, global warming. Or it's like, well... Yeah. That small of a sample, does that make any sense? How can any actual leg legitimate scientist say that that's a reasonable sample? Oh, not only not only that, but one of my, one of the one of the most enjoyable questions that I I, I present to people, oh, our world's going to end in ten years, or we're going to get flooded, blah blah blah. I ask them. What temperature is the Earth supposed to be? I mean, I understand the parameters for human life to exist, mm -hmm. but what it, we you go back forty thousand years, the the CO two emission or the CO two content in our atmosphere was six hundred times or what it is now. Well, from what we understand, it was, it was. I mean, it, that was during the time in which the dinosaurs walked the earth. And Correct. from what we understand, the earth was a lush uh, mm -hmm. jungle-like place during right. that period because, of time. Very yeah. humid and very wet. There was plenty of plant food. Yeah, it was all, <laughs> I mean, we're talking huge animals that found plenty of food to live on. It's like where they'd literally to eat a tree. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. it's crazy. Anyway, hey, we're at the we're at the uh, last break. What? Yeah, isn't that, I know, and amazing. So we've got the last thirty minutes coming up, and I really want to dig into this thing. Uh, I want to kind of wrap this up, and then I also want to talk about how they're trying to wipe out our food supply. So we'll be right back. Interested in getting your concealed carry permit? Perkins Protection Training offers state-approved concealed carry classes for both New Mexico and Utah, taught by a certified NRA instructor, local woman-owned and ran by husband-and-wife team since 2004. Individual coaching, ensuring every student learns according to their individual needs, complete with pre-class and follow-up tutoring. One-on-one, -on -one, beginner, and advanced classes also available. Mention KDAZ for 10% off class. Call 505-238-1214. That's 505-238-1214. Or on the web at Perkins Protection Training training.com. 
After 45 years in the same location, Los Ranchos Gun Shop has moved to 6621 4th Street Northwest in Los Ranchos. New space, new inventory, but still committed to serving the safety needs of our guests. One block north of our old location, but still filled with no pressure. Locally owned and operated, proud of our commitment to service and community, and happy to support Talk Radio KDAZ. Longing to be free of pain? Free of pain meds? To move freely and easily again? Call Dr. Lynn today. 505-200-0271. RiverlightCommunityPT.com. 505-200-0271. Freedom Speak. I'm your host, Becca Marie, and you're listening to Conservative Talk ABQ, KDAZ 96.9 FM, AM 700, and you can listen from anywhere at conservativetalkabq.com. So we've been having a fascinating conversation about green energy and how it's really not so green as they would want you to believe. And by the way, Stephen had to leave. He had uh, a place he had to be. So um, I'm left with John and Mark here. That's okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, you I know, did, we're, I did I, bring the guitar just in case. Though. That's right. Okay. So if, if all else fails and we run out of things to talk about, uh, uh, John can give us a, a guitar concert. There we go. Yes. So. So we're talking about, you know, things you have to consider. You have to look, you know, the thing is the, the left over, year, over the years has always been so concerned with these environmental impact studies and things like that in which they don't really seem to be too concerned with that now for some reason. It seems like pushing this global agenda is more important than anything and, 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 the, and the real science just gets ignored. So you have the windmills, which... We talked about the, the blades on the windmills, they wear out after about 20 years from what I've been reading. Roughly every 20 years, they get, they get stressed, they, they start delaminating, they start cracking, and uh, they have to be removed and replaced with new ones. Now, there are some articles talking about ways in which they've been talking about recycling the windmill blades. That is... Um, something that's still just kind of in its infancy stages. And there again, we run into the same problem like I talked about earlier, in which you have to, they look at the, the cost benefit. It's like, you know, a lot of things, like when we talk about recycling, sometimes it requires more energy to recycle something 
than it does to simply, do, and, and the impact of the recycling process. It's like, how are you recycling them? Well, a lot of time you're using, you're burning fossil fuels to, uh, to perform that process of recycling. So it kind of takes away the whole advantage of recycling it to begin with. Well, when we talk about recycling, uh, as far as the blue and the green and the black kind of um, receptacles that we have for mm -hmm. throwing trash away and everything, sure. I've heard time and time again, it all makes no difference when it gets to the landfill. I've heard that. I mean, if we've heard it, <laughs> it certainly s seems feasible. I don't understand. Well, you know what I do with my garbage? I live in the East Mountains, so they charge so much for having trash pickup done out there. It's like 30 bucks a month or something Whoa. like that. And it's like, oh my God. It's like, and so, so what I do, I, I literally, I, I, I separate my, my cardboard and paper and my aluminum cans and I bag them up and I have them at the house. And then about every, I don't know, about every five or six weeks, I've got more stuff than I know what to do with. I throw it in the back of my pickup truck and I haul it down to the dump myself and, and, I actually dump it into the into the uh, uh, the bins that they they collect the stuff, and then they actually bundle up the cardboard and the paper, and then oh, they send okay. it off to paper well, recycling. Because you're separating it, but in the city yeah. of Albuquerque, right. it's a single single container. They won't recycle glass, right? So you have to pull that out, and now you're throwing that into the landfill, and then there they have separators, but. It's not a very efficient process. In, in Los Ranchos, we have a private contractor, mm -hmm. and we have, to, I mean, and you're required to use one contractor. And I tried to consolidate. We've been doing recycling, and we separate it, but the charge for a, you know, six cubic yard container is the same whether you're recycling or not. So we have to have two containers, which doubles my bill. Mm -hmm. How much are you paying? $180 a month. Oh my gosh, for trash pickup? Yeah. Wow. You know what it costs me to throw my stuff in the back of my pickup and haul it down to the, uh, down to the dump? Five bucks. Plus your gas. Where do you buy well, gasoline, it's, it's dear? Not, it's, Where? it's just a few miles. It's not that far away. Right. It, it, but, it literally takes me 10 minutes to get there. But yeah. the recycling issue in New Mexico is still tremendous because we don't have a lot of rain. We have a lot of landfill potential, I mean, because mm -hmm. we got a lot of open space. But in order to recycle that, you have to keep turning it and you need water. You want to keep turning that over, and we just don't have that ability. Mm. So we take it further and further out, and you know, pretty soon, I don't know, we're going to elevate grants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, it takes a lot of people don't think about the fact. Like I said, it takes energy to recycle things. Right. And. Where you get that energy from? Well, you're probably going to get that energy from some coal-fired plant somewhere, or a gas plant, or a nuclear plant. Um, and so there's this whole thing: is it does it create more pollution to recycle the stuff? But but, but I, the, yeah, no. I mean, I, I've been following the news articles with the you know like Debbie Stabenow from Michigan, who was very smug about her trip to D.C. in her Tesla. 
where she said it didn't cost her anything because she had an electric car. How long did it take her to get there, though? That's the question. Well, the Tesla actually go has a pretty good distance. Uh -huh. My son drives an e-car that when he moved here from Baltimore, he had to put it on the trailer of a truck so he could drive it here because it would have taken him a month to move here. Yeah. Charging it every 150, 180 miles. Mm. And if they even had the resources to do that. But green is clear, and I, I liked your comment earlier, Rebecca, because green is where we need to go, but mm -hmm. our technology today is not sufficient. Yep. I worry about an electric car when I have to replace a battery. Yeah. I mean, I worry about my gas-powered vehicle when I have to replace a battery because that 12-volt battery uh, takes up landfill space. Well, they do recycle those, by the way. Right, but yeah. the big batteries, I mean, you know, when you're spending three, 5,000 plus on a battery to replace, you know, the battery you're taking out of your vehicle, and we have a, you know, of the two point whatever million people we have, you know, who are blessed to be living in New Mexico, how many have electric cars that can get around our ranchers can't use electric. They don't have the ability to generate it. And they want us to transform this state in a few years. I don't see how it can no, possibly No, it's not going to happen. happen. And it's going it's to end up in a food shortage. And it's going to be a real, and a lot of people are going to die as a result of it. A lot of people are going to starve. Good for gun Maybe. sales. Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I found a little, an interesting little story on social media the other day that just goes show how crazy they are and how they're trying to push this thing it, much, much faster than it needs to be going because like, like we were saying, the technology is not here yet to do this. And yet, ever since Biden took office, oh, yeah. they're just ramming this thing through. Um, you know, Trump was doing it the right way. He was promoting our, our, our domestic energy production and also, you know, these energy companies that are currently in the oil business, they see the writing on the wall. They're just as motivated as anybody else to look for what's coming next and to, and to put a lot of money. They take a lot of those profits and they put them into R&D and they're looking for the next thing. By, by making profits is how we get the next thing. If you don't have profits and you don't have R&D, you don't get the next thing. But here's an interesting thing. Okay, I'm going to read this to you. A close friend farms over 10,000 acres of corn in the Midwest. The property is spread out over three counties. His operation is a partnership farm. You know, a lot of farmers, they, they join together to get these things done. With, it's a partnership farm with John Deere. They use the larger farm operations as demonstration projects for promotion and development of new equipment. He recently received a phone call from his John Deere representative, and they want the farm to go to electric tractors and combines in 2023. He currently has five diesel combines that cost $900,000 each that are traded in every three years. Also, over 10 really big tractors. J.D. wants him to go all electric soon. He said, okay, I have some questions. How do I charge these combines when they are three counties away from the shop in the middle of a cornfield in the middle of nowhere? How do I run them 24 hours a day for 10 or 12 days straight when the harvest is ready and the weather is coming? 
how do I get a 50,000 pound combine that takes up the width of an entire road back to the shop 20 miles away when the battery goes dead? There was dead silence on the other end of the phone. When the corn is ready to harvest, it has to have the proper sugar and moisture content. If it is too wet, it has to be put in giant dryers that burn natural or propane gas and lots of it. Harvest time is critical because if it degrades in sugar content or quality, it can drop the value of his crop by half a million dollars or more. It is analyzed at time of the sale. It is standard procedure to run these machines 10 to 12 days straight, 24 hours a day at peak harvest time. When they need fuel, a tanker truck delivers it and the machines keep going. John Deere's only answer is, we're working on it. They are being pushed by the lefty Dems in the government to force these electric machines on the American farmer. These people are out of control. They are messing with the production of food crops that feed people and livestock, livestock all in the name of the green dream. Hmm. Now, during harvest time, they have to get out there. They have to, they have to, collect, they have to get these crops harvested in a very short period of time. Hmm. Otherwise, the stuff goes bad in the fields. So... And they're pushing this thing. That's a good question. How are you going to charge this big combine out in the field uh, when they got to keep them working constantly, every single day, constantly until they harvest all the fields? And from uh, what I know about farming, I did a little research a while back, these combines, you've got, typically what you've got is you've got uh, companies that own the combines. And what they do is they contract with the farmers, and they'll literally go from one farm to the next during the harvest period to harvest all the fields. They've got to keep going constantly to get them all done. And if they don't get it all done in time, well, then we lose crops. Move it or lose it. Move it or lose it. Exactly. So what is being pushed here is going to result in a, sh in a food shortage. And, you know, I, I read a, a thing by a, a uh, and it's not just farmers growing crops in the fields, but it's cows, cattle, you know, meat. And it's like cows, we not only just get the meat from the cows, but they don't waste anything with these cows. Okay, a lot of people think, oh, well, they're just slaughtering the cows and we're having steaks and that's it. No, they use everything, okay? Right. Uh, they use the, the hide from the cow. You know, you know that nice leather interior in your car? Mm -hmm. Where do you think that came from? Uh, yeah, what, the leather tree? <laughs> the, the, the leftover scraps uh, from the meat uh, that, that we make the steaks out of and the hamburgers and all the really good cuts of meat. What's the re leftover? Well, it goes to feed our animals, our pets, our cats and dogs. How does yeah. it affect my ramen noodles? I'm not really sure it does. Oh. <laughs> does it? Can a person live on ramen noodles? I know I would. If you're want not to. a college student? I'm not a college student. I have I no see. desire to do that anymore. Honestly, I really, really like my ribeye steaks. Who doesn't? So, you know, they're talking about the, the methane gas. Oh, yeah. From, from the farm animals. The cow farts. The cow, the cow farts. The cow farts. Um, chickens are worse. Chickens are worse? Mm. Yeah. Are they really? Oh, yeah, they're terrible. Mm. Yeah? Mm. I, I've never really, well, I don't know. I guess I've mm. never really been at a big chicken farm uh, where they're raised on a lot of it's, chickens. It's bad. Yeah. It's, um, that's the reason, you know, I mean, you know, cows have this lovely byproduct called manure. Which is fertilizer. Correct. Oh, yeah. 
but no one's found a use for chicken excrement. Chicken excrement. <laughs> <laughs> or mosquitoes. I'm from Minnesota, where yeah. many are cold, but few are frozen. So, so the thing you got to think about is this push to this green energy. Okay, look at what they're trying to do to this farmer, trying to make him use electric combines and tractors. Okay, the technology is not there yet. We're gonna we're gonna look at we're gonna see a serious reduction in in crop yields on food being grown, and we're already hearing about people around the world starving to death as it is. And and yet we want to cut back on food production. That's go, that's what's going to result. It's it's interesting. Just I'll bring the gun thing back in, but hunting overall is down. Yeah, a lot. Yet there's not a better source for clean healthy meat than, you know, elk, deer, uh, whatever, you know, it is um, that you can find out there. But the number of hunters the and the number of people who get licenses is down and the number of animals taken is down and it's not good for the for the uh, long-term uh, efficacy of what's going on out there. Game and Fish wants more people to be outdoors and hunting because it's better for the animals to be harvested, yet people aren't doing it. So they want to be fed, but farmers right now are having a terrible time because the cost of everything on a ranch or in a farm is up. Mm -hmm. Yet the market determines the price that is willing to be paid. So if you have more expenses associated with fuel and fertilizer and maintaining your land. And buying electric combines. <laughs> and, <laughs> and buying electric you know, combines. But the market won't pay you enough to cover your costs. We're going to put more and more pressure on our farmers and ranchers, and there's no good solution. It's going to be a rough year. Yeah, we don't want to go down the road of soiling green. Oh, that's right. Well, we haven't got there. You, oh. You, no, not yet. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about that. I thought we were done. So no, no, no. You're jumping the gun there, John. Sorry. It's like, okay. The guns, so, that's his department. Yeah, guns, yeah. This guy likes guns. I do too, actually. Um, so anyway, so here's the problem, okay? We're going to end up in food shortages, and what are they trying to do? They're trying to push us into... Here, here's the thing, okay? You mentioned the fertilizer, okay? Cow manure is great fertilizer, okay? It's, 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 but you get rid of the cows, and then what do we have then? Oh, well, then we have a shortage of fertilizer. And then what are the farmers going to use to fertilize their crops? Because it's something they have to do. I mean, otherwise, you deplete the ground. They, that's there's the reason they, they rotate crops, you know, from field right. to field over right. the year. It's because the ground takes time to recover. Mm. All the things you're, the nutrients you're pulling out of, the, out of the ground to grow the crops has to be replenished. And that's what they use fertilizer for. And that's what cow manure, a lot of that's used for. Like I said, stuff doesn't get wasted when we're talking to, about cows. Anyway, so this food shortage is coming, and they're trying to push us into alternatives, okay? They want us to eat all this processed stuff. They want us to eat meat grown in a lab. Now, do you really want to 
go to your to your steak restaurant. It's like normally I go there and get a nice uh, medium medium cooked ribeye steak. Heck, I might want I might get one tonight. I'm getting hungry talking about it. Anyway, so they're going to grow it in a petri dish, and they're going to give it nutrients. And of course, part of what makes a, a a really good steak good is the fact that it's it's from an animal that was getting exercise, and the meat. It, it, it gets a certain texture and, and certain firmness to it, and, and that's what makes it good. And a happy cow, you know, one that was talked to and had music and was able to eat the grass in Reading peace. the grass, you know, yeah. I'm, all, I'm all into the, uh, the free-range stuff and all that. It's well, we could go with the governor's choice of beef and have, you know, the cow massaged. Oh, massage. Oh, cow massages, yes. Wow, okay. Wow. Every so maybe, time I've had a cow massage, the, the horns get in the way and stuff. Have like day spas for cows. But that's maybe. Kobe beef, you know. It's yeah. yeah. Those, are, those cows are massaged and, and, yeah. So they live a real happy life. They do, and yeah. until they are viciously slaughtered and then served. Right, yeah. But overall, it's, it's a good experience right up until the end. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like life, uh, Becca. Life it's, you know, life, life sucks, right? You know, but you can have a really good time right up until the end, unless you're ready. Okay, so so don't worry. Okay, we're not going to have to just stick totally with the with the lab grown petri dish. Oh, uh, dish. What, what else do we have? Oh, uh, we 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 have we have crickets. Crickets. Okay, now. You know, this is something that, of course, Bill Gates really loves. I found this really interesting article on USSA News. Okay, apparently there is a facility that will be producing 9,000 metric tons of crickets. Wonderful. And that'll be annually for both your pets and humans. Hmm. There are a limited number of crickets that would be considered kosher. Really? Yeah, so, I mean, there's Have you like tried them? Uh, no. No. Mm. No, but... Uh, Maybe a chocolate-covered cricket might be good? I understand they are delicious. Okay. Mm. So maybe, you know, I, I like things sautéed, and I'm just thinking maybe sautéed cricket with, uh, with uh, some vegetables, maybe some, uh, uh, maybe some mushrooms and some, mm. uh, and some... If you're hungry enough, I would suggest you'll eat any protein source. Well, available. that's true. You know, I was talking about the other day, I was talking about with a friend that is a vegan or whatever, and I mentioned this last week, and in which she, she eats all these processed vegan foods. And not, not to mention, if you're buying this vegan food that tastes like meat uh, that you buy in the store, and it's all processed, and it's like these, these people that believe in living naturally and all of this kind of stuff, and oh, my body is a temple, and, and I'm all into the body is a temple thing. Um, but do you really want to take in something that was produced in a, in a factory somewhere with chemicals and all kinds of unnatural stuff? And it's like, uh, is that really healthy? I the Impossible Burger, you can get one at Burger King, um, which is awesome that they're offering a vegan option. But the calorie information on that is terrible. And you might as well eat beef. Well, you know, I did some reading about that. These things are not necessarily nutritious for you uh, compared to eating something natural like a steak or, or something like that. Um, the calorie counts on them are rather high. 
mm. and they're not nutritious. But non-processed, I mean, I do get vegetarians. Yeah. I never understand vegans. <laughs> right. I don't quite understand the difference, honestly. I was vegetarian for eight years. Uh, I lived in India on the beach um, after getting out of college. And uh, and I then I got hooked on my mom's chili in Minnesota. Yeah? And yeah, I haven't been the same since. Okay, so I'm going to get into a really dark topic here towards the end of the show. Oh, all right. And you're going to like this because you wanted to get into this. Oh, okay? yeah. All right. There is a, there's a guy that uh, was talking about um, trying to push the whole idea of cannibalism. Mm. Now, I, it's like, okay. And uh, there's this guy by the name of Dominic Rabe. And this is in a, an article I found by the Daily Mash. Dot, it's a UK article, apparently. Now, I want to read this to you, and I want you to read, I want you to understand how terrifying this is about some of these people, what they're considering, okay? The Foreign Secretary dispelled fears of post-Brexit food shortage by saying that the UK had ample meat stocks if the weak, the defenseless, and the sluggish of foot were included. We're talking about cannibalism here. Donner, Donner Party of Four. Donner Party Donner. of Four, exactly. Uh, oh, by the way, um, What's that clip I have uh, on uh, Michelle? I, I, I want to hear that. It's like, maybe you guys will remember this one. Oh. Oh, come Soil on. and green is made out of people. <laughs> it's... Soil and green is people! <laughs> exactly. I love that. Those of you that are old enough to remember oh, that movie. So anyway, so... Who knows? Maybe these crazy people will think that this is the answer to nursing homes, depopulation, uh, depopulation illegal aliens, the homeless. I mean, that's how sick these people are. Yeah. I, I choose to believe that the author was writing that tongue-in-cheek. I choose that, too. It looks pretty serious. I'm not really sure. It's... I, yeah, I don't think were there. Um, but the, the challenge is, if people are hungry, they will do what it takes to find food. I know. So how hungry are they, are they going to make us? That's the question. I'm not hungry enough to go to Walmart to get my groceries. <laughs> well, AI will take care of everything anyway, right? Hey, guys, we're at the end of the show. Isn't You're that amazing? kidding me. I'm not kidding really? you. I'm not kidding you at all. Oh, my gosh. So I, w I want to finish the show by uh, plugging my advertisers, Perkins Protection Training. Uh, if you go see Dale Perkins, he'll get you well-regulated. And uh, I've explained the meaning of well-regulated a number of times. I've got River Light Community Physical Therapy. She's going to take away your pains. Go see my friend Lynn mm. over there. Mm. And i got my newest advertiser right here sitting with me. Mark from Los Ranchos Gun Shop. And once you've been well-regulated, he will provide you with some tools uh, which can keep you safe. Excellent. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I also want to give a plug out to a couple of my favorite people, Ribs Barbecue in, uh, in Cedar Crest. He oh, needs yes. cooks over there. He's only open four days a week right now, and that's because he doesn't have people, uh, enough chefs over there. And by the way, they're not going to serve you crickets or synthetic meat or, or anything else uh, way worse than that over there. And Shorty's Barbecue, my friend Leanne over there, she needs cooks too, and she's also not serving any kind of meat alternatives. Thank God for that. 
So do you own a freedom-friendly business? Advertise on this station and support this show and many others like it. To get started advertising or send me comments or suggestions, email me at becca at freedomspeaknm.com. Check out my website, freedomspeaknm.com, where you can listen to replays of shows, get the useful resources, check out my posts on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, Telegram, and now you can download the podcast, podcast at Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple iTunes. Follow, share, and far and wide we're being censored. Freedom is essential to everyone. Liberty and freedom are rights, not privileges. It's time to stand up and tell the Marxists and those pushing the woke agenda, hell no, we won't comply. We are the resistance. <laughs>